0: And Good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. <clears throat> Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today is June 26th. 177th day of the year. 188 days remain right to the years I with. And since you all asked me to do holidays and national days, the um, that's National Sarah Day, Armed Forces Day in the UK, Azerbaijan Armed Forces Day, Canoe Day, get yourself a paddle and go up the creek, Flag Day in Romania, Forgiveness Day, International Day Against Drug Abuse and Illicit Trafficking, Madagascar Independence Day, National Barcode Day. National Beauticians Day. National Chocolate Pudding Day. National Report Trade Agreement Act Fraud Day. It's supposed to fight against fraudulent activities in America, but hell, that's endemic in our government now. National Zachary Day. <clears throat> Somalia Independence Day. United Nations International Day in support of victims of torture and World Refrigeration Day. And since it's being so hot, that's probably a good thing. Well, in the year four, Augustus adopts Tiberius. 221 A.D., Roman Emperor Agobalus adopts his cousin Alexander Severus as his heir and it's the title of uh, Caesar. 363, Roman Emperor Julian is killed during the retreat from the Sasanian Empire. 684, Pope Benedict II is chosen. 699, Inno Ozuno, a Japanese mystic apothecary, a letter we regarded as the founder of the folk religion, Shugendo is banished to uh, Izu Oshima. 1243, Mongols defeat the soldier Turks at the Battle of Dag. 1295, Brzezimis II is crowned king of Poland following the Ducal period. White Eagle is added to the Polish coat of arms. 1407, Ulrich von Zugingen becomes grand master of the Teutonic Knights. For those that are not familiar with the Teutonic Knights, that's the German version of the Knights Templar. 1409, Western Schism. Roman Catholic Church is led into a double schism as Petros Philargos as crowned Pope Alexander V after the Council of Pisa, joining Pope Gregory XII in Rome and Pope Benedict XIII in Avignon. 1460, Richard Neville, 16th Earl of Warwick, and Edward, Earl of March, land in England with a rebel army and march on London. 1483, Richard III becomes King of England. 1522, Ottomans begin the second siege of Rhodes. Uh, 1541, Francisco Pizarro is assassinated in Lima by the son of his former companion and later antagonist, Diego de El Magro, the younger. Magro is caught and executed. 1579, Livonian campaign of Stephen Bathory begins. 1718, Alexei Petrovich, Tsarovich of Russia. Peter the Great's son mysteriously dies after being sentenced to death by his father for plotting against him. Convenient. 1723, after a siege and bombardment by cannon, Baku surrenders to the Russians. 1740, a combined force of Spanish, free blacks, and allied Indians defeat a British garrison at the siege of Fort Mose uh, near uh, St. Augustine during the War of Jenkins' Ear. 1794, French Revolutionary Wars, Battle of Fleurus marked the first successful military use of aircraft. 1830, William IV becomes king of Britain and Hanover. 1843, Treaty of Nanking comes into effect. Hong Kong Island is ceded to the British in perpetuity, but they never could hold on to anything. 1848, end of the June days uprising in Paris. It was staged by French civilians from the 22nd to the 26th of June, 1848. It was in response to plans to close the national workshops created by the Second Republic in order to give work and a minimum source of income for the unemployed. National Guard had to be called out to quell the rebellion. Over 10,000 people were either killed or injured. 4,000 insurgents were deported to French Algeria. Um uprising marked the literal end of the hopes of the democratic and social republic and the victory of the liberals over the radical republicans um, Liberals through history have wanted to buy votes using what amounts to welfare uh, eighteen fifty seven the first investiture of the victoria Cross in Hyde park london eighteen eighty six Andre Mosson, uh, isolated uh, elemental fluorine for the first time. 1889, Dangoy is founded by Albert um, Delisi and Alfred Uzzik, what was in the upper reaches of the French Congo. 1906, the first Grand Prix motor race is held at Le Mans. 1909, the Science Museum in London comes into existence as an independent entity. 1917, World War One. American Expeditionary Forces begin to arrive in France. They go into combat four months later. This day in 1918, Allied forces under John J. Pershing and James Harbard uh, defeat Imperial German forces under Wilhelm, German Crown Prince, in the Battle of Belleau Wood. 1924, the American occupation of the Dominican Republic ends after eight years. 1927, a cyclone roller coaster opens at Coney Island. I've seen that. Didn't want to ride it. 1934, United States President Franklin D. Roosevelt signs the Federal Credit Union Act that establishes credit unions. 1936, initial flight of the focke Wolf FW-61, the first practical helicopter, took place on this date. 1940, World War II, under the Molotov-Ribbentrop Act, the Soviet Union presents an ultimatum to Romania, requiring it to cede Bessarabia in the northern part of Bukovina. 1941, World War II, Soviet planes bomb Casa, Hungary, uh, giving Hungary the impetus to declare war on uh, the very next day. 1942, the first flight of the Grimman F-6F Hellcat, 1944 World War II, San Marino, a neutral states mistakenly bombed by the RAF based on faulty information, led uh, to 35 civilian deaths. 1944 World War II, the Battle of Ashiri and Ashiri Poland, one of the largest battles between Nazi Germany and Polish resistance forces, ends in the defeat of the Polish resistance forces. 1945, the United Nations Charter is signed by 50 allied nations in San Francisco, California. 1948, Cold War, first supply flights are made in response to the Berlin blockade. Also in 1948, William Shockley files the original patent for the grown junction transistor, the first bipolar junction transistor. Also in 1948, Shirley Jackson's short story, The Lottery, is published in New Yorker magazine. 1952, the Pan-Malayan Labor Party is founded in Malaya as a union of statewide labor parties. 1953, Avent Ray Berry, a head of the MVD, is arrested by Khrushchev and other members of the Politburo. The MVD was the Ministry of Internal Affairs of the Russian Federation um it's basically the interior minister ministry of russia it's responsible for law enforcement in russia through its agencies the police of russia the migration affairs the drug control the traffic safety, the center for combating extremism and so on and so forth uh, but it's a very whoever holds the uh, is the minister of internal affairs is a very powerful position beria was uh, made himself basically a, a pocket hitler 1955 the south african congress alliance adopts the freedom charter at the congress of the people in cliptown 1959 swedish boxer igmar johansson becomes world champion of heavyweight boxing defeated American Floyd Patterson on a technical knockout after two minutes and three seconds in the third round at Yankee Stadium. 1960, the former British protectorate of British Somaliland gets its independence of Somaliland. 1960, Madagascar gets its independence from France. 1963, U.S. Cold War. President Kennedy gives Ben a speech underlining the support of the United States for Democratic West Germany after the Soviet-supported uh, East Germany erected the Berlin Wall. 1967, Karl um later became John Paul II, made a cardinal by Pope uh, Paul VI. 1974, Universal Product Code is scanned for the first time to sell the package of Wrigley's Chewing Gum at the Marsh Supermarket in Troy, Ohio. 1975, two FBI agents and a member of the American Indian Movement are killed in a shootout on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. Leonard Pelletier is later convicted of the murders in a controversial trial. 1977, Elvis held his final concert in Indianapolis, Indiana at Market Square Arena. 1978, Air Canada Flight 189 flying to Toronto overruns the runway and crashes into the Edelbechokie Creek Ravine. Two of the 107 passengers on board die. 1981, Dan Air Flight 240 flying to East Midlands Airport crashes in Nailstone, Leicestershire. All three crew members perish. 1988, the first crash of an Airbus A320 occurs when Air France Flight 296Q crashes at House Habsham Airfield in uh, Habsham, uh, France, during an air show. Of the 136 people on board, three are killed. 1991 Yugoslav Wars. Yugoslav People's Army begins the 10-day war in Slovenia. Uh, 1995 Hamad bin Khalifa al-Tani deposes his father Khalifa bin Hamad al-Tani at the, uh, the Emir of uh, Qatar in a bloodless coup d'etat. 1997, the Supreme Court rules that Communications Decency Act violates the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. In 1997, J.K. Rowling publishes the first of her Harry Potter, Harry Potter novel series, Harry Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, in the U.S. I'm sorry, in the U.K. 2000, the Human Genome Project announces the completion of a rough draft sequence. 2003, the Supreme Court rules in Lawrence v. Texas' gender-based sodomy laws are unconstitutional. 2006, Mary Alcaterre, the first Prime Minister of East Timor, resigns after weeks of political unrest. 2007, Pope Benedict XVI reinstates the traditional laws of papal election in which a successful candidate must receive two-thirds of the votes i prefer a cage match. Winner take all. 2008, a suicide bomber dressed as an Iraqi policeman detonates an explosive vest, kills 25 people. 2012, the Waldo Canyon fire descends into the mountain shadows neighborhood in Colorado Springs. burns 347 homes in a matter of hours and kills two people. 2013, riots in China's Xinjiang region kills at least 36 and injures 21 others. Also in 2013, the Supreme Court ruled 5 to 4, Section 3 of the Defense of Marriage Acts on Constitution in violation of the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. 2015, five different terrorist attacks in France, Tunisia, Somalia, Kuwait, and Syria occurred on what was dubbed Bloody Friday by international media. Around 750 people were either killed or injured in these uncoordinated attacks. And in 2015 the Supreme Court ruled 5 to 4 same-sex couples have a constitutional right to marriage under the 14th amendment to the United States Constitution. That's interesting if you have a shall we say unique quality you can force everybody else to accept whatever it is you want them to accept. not really what a democracy is supposed to be, but that's what ours has come into. And if you looked at the, uh, the news stories, we have a prince in this country. Prince Hunter Biden. Who, uh, pled guilty, but he's not going to be punished. He did a very unusual plea deal. Um, And his father is so proud of his son who died in Iraq. And Jill Biden refuses to answer any questions about uh, the antics of Prince Hunter. And and they want to hang Donald Trump, but with a guilty uh, plea. From Prince Hunter, that's okay. The media can't do enough for him. But with Donald Trump, they want to like one uh, uh, elected official said he should be shot, which I find interesting. Well, that totally contravenes innocent until proven guilty, but in his case, that doesn't apply. It's guilty because we say so. So says CNN. Well, this is typical of how the government has come to operate. Uh, Since um, 1963, with uh, the assassination of President Kennedy, a lot of um, dictatorial... uh, Positions have been held by the government. We've been talking about the Kennedy hit list. You know, before he was even cold, it was announced it was a lone nut gunman. And anything that tended to call that into question was attacked viciously with everything the government had. The Warren Commission Uh, after viewing evidence so damning as his fifth grade report card determined uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was uh, in fact a lone nut gunman now the mere fact he was never indicted um, is irrelevant he had to be guilty otherwise people might lose faith in the United States government And Lyndon, I'm going to be King Johnson. He called down to the hospital giving instructions to get a deathbed confession. Now, had Oswald not been shot by Jack Ruby, it would have been an entirely different scenario. Ruby himself, (coughs) after he was granted a second trial, Died of a mysterious fast-acting cancer which just happened to be a project, um, a government project going on in New Orleans. Was he murdered? Very likely he was. Now the um, the individual who Developed this fast acting cancer. Dr. Mary Sherman uh, died July 21st, 1964. She was um, associated with David Ferry, Leon, Javier Oswald himself, Jack Ruby. You know, it's interesting to note that the injuries to her body. a greater level of fire and destruction than you would find in the bodies of fighter pilots who crashed and burned. I mean, jet fuel burns at thousands of degrees, but there's still bones left. But in regard to uh, Dr. Mary Sherman, who supposedly was murdered in a burglary in her home, even though there was no sign of forced entry you Now the medical facts in regard to Dr. Sherman's death um yeah. cause uh, fair researchers to come to some interesting conclusions there was intensive charring on her body that's carbon uh carbonization like when you burn a steak resulting in extremely high temperature burns and she was carbonized from the right side of her head down to her right hip but the damage was localized and areas very near the extreme burns were virtually unharmed. for example there were intense high degree burns on the scalp immediately adjacent to the unburned hair damage was so intense the right arm was completely missing bone and all all that remained was a short piece of charred bone extending out from the shoulder. An extensive destruction was present through the uh, right half of a rib cage, exposing the lung and other vital vital organs. Exposure to the lung means massive destruction of both the rib cage and the chest wall. And bones in that region were completely destroyed. And there were two sets of burns sustained to the body, uh, pre and post mortem. The first set of burns was from an extremely hot and very focused heat source, and it occurred somewhere other than in her apartment. And the total destruction of her arm is evidence of a very powerful device capable of producing thousands of degrees of heat. Other burns to the victim's body were markedly more moderate in nature and occurred as a result of the small fire that broke out in the apartment. And there are also two sets of stab wounds, pre- and post-mortem. Dr. Sherman was stabbed dead center in the middle of the heart, and that was the wound that killed her. Bone removal of the breastbone, was no more than a quart of variously clotted blood near the heart, evidence that she was still alive when she was stabbed in the heart. Other knife wounds were made after she was dead, shown by the absence of hemorrhaging. The absence of hemorrhage around the liver wound uh, means the wound didn't bleed, indicating this wound uh, the liver was uh, inflicted after the death. Now the death wound, piercing the heart, was very precisely was apparently the basis for the rumor that uh, whoever killed Mary Sherman knew what he or she was doing. May have had some medical training. Additional knife wounds were determined to also be postmortem. In fact, the knife wounds to the genitals were determined to be made not only post-mortem, but also through clothing that had been placed on the body, which pretty much uh, addresses the alleged sexual aspect of the crime because the killer and/ or the crime scene stager was probably not even aware of the wounds had pierced the genitals it's literally impossible that the severest aspect that had damaged him Dr. Sherman's body with the result of the fire that occurred in her apartment. Um, only an intensely focused and directed force of extremely high energy, such as a lightning bolt or a beam of high-voltage electricity or radiation, would be capable of creating the extent of damage sustained in the victim. As a result, the victim necessarily had to be... had to have sustained the first set of burns somewhere other than the official crime scene at a time prior to be taken to her home and then set on fire. And few devices capable of rendering such a directed beam of high-intensity energy were in existence in 1964. The partial charring of her scalp without burning the rest of her hair is evidence that this device focused its energy very precisely. And very few pieces of equipment would be capable of producing such a combination of burns. One of them would be, a, for example, a linear particle accelerator. So it seems the only possible logical solution to the crime would be to determine if Dr. Sherman had access to some type of high-energy, uh, uh, very advanced research equipment such as a super-laser and linear, linear particle beam. research establishment not only did Dr. Sherman have access to a clinical part- particle accelerator but there was even concrete evidence of one having been used in her research you know in summation of all these points that I've brought up and to a very high degree of probability Dr. Sherman apparently died in a laboratory accident of some kind the fact she was intimately involved in matters of national security necessitated the masking of that accident so it was staged to appear to be a murder that took place in her home. Because, of course, when the powers that be give orders, investigating officers, if they want to keep their job, follow them. And there's also a link to the Kennedy assassination that couldn't be more obvious. The Warren Commission investigators started taking their testimony in New Orleans in the morning of July 21st, 1964, several hours after dr sherman's murder and some folks consider this coincidental timing very suspicious speculated her death may have somehow been related to the kennedy assassination or her association with david ferry now it's impossible that the fire burned hard enough to cause the extreme damage to the right side of her body as i said before it literally disintegrated her entire right arm and the right portion of her chest and stomach but the hair on her body wasn't burned. The mattress was smoldering but not burning, and clothing was singed but not on fire. But the right side of her body was totally vaporized, bone and all. No apparent cause could have inflicted such extreme damage. It has been suggested that her sensitive uh, work with a linear particle accelerator was the actual source of the injury. No other Visible explanation uh, has come to light. Forensics revealed that the clothing was put on top of her body after death, prior to the arrival of emergency personnel. And most of the stab wounds were actually postmortem. in what would be termed a bizarre case of reverse staging. The crime scene was intentionally staged to make her death appear to be the clear case of murder. But the victim was apparently already dead and died in a previous location, and then was brought to the staged crime scene at her home. Also, reportedly recovered at the crime scene were blood-soaked gloves. Gloves may have yielded DNA, especially with the new technologies available, but they were destroyed along with much other preserved evidence from the Dr. Sherman case. During the flood disaster in New Orleans that followed Hurricane Katrina in 2005, when a author made an observation regarding the blood-drenched glass found in the apartment. It does raise interesting questions. Dr. Sherman worked closely with David Ferry and Dr. Alan Ushner, both of whom have been linked to Lee Harvey Oswald on a classified Anna castro uh, bioweapons project. Testimony for Warren Commission investigators began in New Orleans on the same day Dr. Sherman was killed. I don't believe in coincidences. Um, in fact, I, I subscribe to the to the um, theory put forth by James Bond. Once is happenstance, twice is coincidence, three times is enemy action. By the time I finish all the parts of the Kennedy hit list, I'm giving you 50 affiliated deaths. Now, Judith Baker, who had worked on the cancer project with Dr. Sherman, Dr. Oshner, David Ferry, and Lee Harvey Oswald, was warned by David Ferry after Oswald was arrested that she'd be killed if she told what she knew. Now, among the signs that any logical person would take into consideration to include to uh, conclude a cover-up was underway, police classified um, Dr. Sherman's death as a burden had gone bad and issued a uh, Blackout. In fact, her arm is missing, was withheld from the public. In her FBI files, a letter from J. Edgar Hoover directing his agents not to assist New Orleans police with an investigation. That's interesting. Her body was cremated, precluding further forensic investigation. You didn't have to wonder who gave the instructions to cremate the body. Police reports are withheld for, for almost 30 years. According to uh, author John Davis in the book Mafia Kingfish, um, Dr. Sherman's death may have been related to Ferry's death and she was David Ferry's closest female friend. Misinformation job, and a sloppy one at that, was done by Posner in the book Case Closed. Uh, Posner made uh, quite a few evidentiary errors regarding Dr. Sherman's uh, crime scene in a section of his book. Um, he called it a non-mysterious mystery death, proving once again that some people just refuse to let the facts get in the way of a good story. And Posner made his career debunking anything and everything about the Kennedy assassination he could get his hands on. Now There wasn't yet sufficient evidence to conclusively prove a direct link between the death of Sherman and the Kennedy assassination. Dr. Sherman was very clearly at work on a bioweapon that was ultra-secret in nature. Now, this is a case where an apparent medical accident, due to its nefarious and top-secret nature, had to be disguised, and the method chosen for this subterfuge was to describe it as a murder. And it almost worked, except for the fact that the the murderers couldn't disintegrate limbs with a particle accelerator, at least not in 1964. It's possible her death was intentional, so it was, in fact, a murder. Death by medical accident accompanied by euthanistic termination is an interesting way to to phrase the outcome. Then the crime scene was staged in a murder in order to preserve the secrecy of the top-secret research project she was involved in. Now, this next one you may question me including it. It's actually the death of J. Edgar Hoover, who died May 2nd, 1972. And he was said to have died of a heart attack. Natural causes, nothing to see here, move on. For an incredible span of 48 years, Hoover maintained control of the FBI like a uh, pariah, blackmailing politicians to the extent that even President Truman and President Kennedy were afraid to cross him because they deemed the political cost too high. His reign of power said to be controlled by fear because he had extensive confidential files. He had something on everybody, kind of like Hillary Clinton said to have. It was said Hoover didn't have to exert pressure to get what he wanted. He was pressure. Now his death's been regarded as suspicious by some folks. But Hoover knew much more about the assassination of President Kennedy. It was instrumental in the cover-up. He apparently helped engineer the suppression of information. His death doesn't appear to be the the result solely of that. His death appears to be more related to Watergate, which took place in the same time frame as when Hoover died. But there was one report that came to light that was interesting. May Brussels believe Hoover's death was related to Watergate and the fact that Hoover possessed damaging information about the Nixon administration. And there's considerable evidence he knew quite a lot about the White House dirty tricks. Uh, an article from the Harvard Crimson quoted Felipe de Diego, a Cuban exile, took part in a break in at psychiatrist uh, Daniel Ellsberg's office. And according to uh, Felipe de Diego, two burglaries took place at Hoover's Washington home. First was in the winter of 72 to retrieve documents that might be used for blackmail against the White House. And after that first burglary, according to Diego, a second burglary was carried out. This time, whether by design or misunderstanding, a poison, thion phosphate genre was placed in Hoover's personal toilet articles. He died shortly after that. Now, thion phosphate genre is a drug that induces heart seizures. Presence of the corpse is undetectable without an autopsy, and no autopsy was performed on the body of J. Edgar Hoover. The senior law enforcement person in the country and there was no autopsy. Apparently it wouldn't have been the first time. In 1975 the Washington Post reported that Howard Hunt, the former CIA agent who helped engineer the Ellsberg and Watergate burglaries, told associates he was ordered to kill Jack Anderson with an untraceable poison obtained from a former CIA doctor. But the scheme was stopped at the last minute. Now, the history leading up to the Watergate scandal and Hoover's death are certainly interesting to review, because the the two events clearly intersect. Nixon, in 1971, instituted a White House intelligence unit, which is amazing to find out there's intelligence in the White House. You couldn't prove it by me right now. And Hoover had objected. It would have taken power and influence away from the FBI. It's only a short time after that that Hoover suffered break-ins of his apartment, which he shared with Clyde Tolson, his longtime associate and reputed lover. Break-ins were sworn to by Felipe Diego, past associate of E. Howard Hunt, under the, the direction of former FBI uh, agent G. Gordon Liddy. Hunt and Liddy were later connected with the Watergate break-in. And prior to the Watergate burglary of the Democratic National Convention, Attorney General John Mitchell ordered the FBI to wiretap selected organizations and influential people. Now, Hoover agreed to do this, but insisted he keep the original transcripts of the tapes in his secret file so they couldn't be changed. So Mitchell asked his close friend, Robert uh, Ardine, to get the transcripts from Hoover's secret vault and move them to John Ehrlichman's safe at the White House. And the man who was assigned this mission was a senior FBI official named William Sullivan. Sullivan was later killed in a very bizarre uh, hunting accident. Well, by this point in time, Hoover was a marked man. The Nixon administration had already demonstrated the intention to remove anybody that got in its way, and Hoover was surely in the way. Committed to re-elect the president set up its own intelligence operations staffed with former CIA and FBI employees and other renegade mercenaries who would shore up Nixon's uh, empire against all future comers. One of these who posed a serious threat at this time was Hoover and speculated he knew the truth about the Nixon-Kennedy assassination connection and there was a connection with uh, Richard Nixon. And was prepared to take Nixon down in self-defense by revealing what he knew. And when this was starting to play out was when Hoover mysteriously died. Now, veteran researcher Pat Spear made a point of discussing the importance of the context in Hoover's death. Over the next few months, both G. Gordon, Liddy, and Pat Buchanan wrote extensive analysis for Nixon, explaining why he had to sack Hoover, but Nixon kept backing down. Early 72, shortly after Hunt first contacted Bernie Barker, somebody broke into the FBI office and, right in Meridian, Pennsylvania, began distributing documents to the media, which included the information about the project known as uh, COINTELPRO. Revelations of FBI agents, uh, provocateurs, targeting anti-war movement, among others, spurred Hale uh, Boggs to publicly criticize Hoover on the floor of Congress. And many thought that would be the end of Hoover. But, unfortunately, he didn't. Then, amazingly enough, shortly after that, he died in his sleep. A month later, the Watergate burglars were captured. There are many people who believe that Nixon um, had Hoover killed. And somebody, maybe... Uh, somebody in the CIA figured it out and arranged for the Watergate bubble to burst. Um, There are quite a number of researchers who believe that Hoover was, in fact, murdered. Uh, Some researchers have determined that the theory on the, the mode of death isn't as outlandish as it might have seemed. Hoover's cause of death is listed as hyperactive cardiovascular disease, basically a heart attack. But there's no history of heart problems, and no autopsy performed to confirm the findings. It's amazing no autopsy was performed. December 12, 1973, an article in the Harvard Crimson appeared reporting that two burglaries of Hoover's apartment had occurred and that during his second entry, Hoover's toilet articles were coated with a solution of thion phosphate poison he you touch that, it causes an immediate heart muscle seizure. Other sources mention the use of uh, sodium morphate, which also accomplishes the same results. And it has to be noted that Hoover believed that separate bullets fired from different locations struck Governor Connolly and President Kennedy. I also believed Oswald, who defected the Soviet Union, was an imposter, and the real Harvey Oswald was still running around loose someplace. The, um, When I was doing my show in California, I had somebody call me and he asked me, Did I have enough guts to put um, something on the air about uh, Oswald? And I said, By all means, send it on. According to the information that was sent to me, and it was a recording of somebody talking, he was a contract CIA agent. And he said part of his job had been the clean-up and cover-up of the loose ends of the assassination. And he said he had uh, very few people knew that Oswald was supposedly bisexual, and he had a lover who was still in the states. And this agent took that lover to the airport to meet Oswald. And the Oswald that came back didn't recognize the lover. And the lover swore that the Oswald that came back to the States was not the Lee Harvey Oswald that left. Now, six top FBI officials linked to the Kennedy assassination died in a six-month period prior to their scheduled testimony. Um, the first was Lewis Nichols, assistant FBI director and third-in-command. Alan Belmont, FBI Liaison to the Warren Commission. James Cardigan, uh, FBI document expert who examined evidence. Donald Kaler, he was a fingerprint expert who worked the case. J.M. English, head of the FBI Forensic Laboratory, and William Sullivan, head of Division 5 Domestic Intelligence. Now, the official cause of death on Lewis Nichols was a heart attack in June of 77. Uh, Almond Belmont had a long, interest and died in a long illness and died in uh, August of 77. James Cadigan, an uh, accidental fall at home, died August of 77. Donald Kaler had a heart attack, died October 77. Jim English had a heart attack, died October 1977. And William Sullivan had a mysterious hunting accident died November 9, 1977. Official verdict? All natural causes. No foul play, as suspected. Statistically, the odds of six top FBI officials, all with information directly related to the Kennedy assassination, dying within a six-month period, and prior to their testimony as a witness before a congressional committee, is sufficiently astronomical to make their natural occurrence literally impossible. Sullivan specifically predicted he'd be murdered it would be made to appear to be an accident. And that wasn't a casual of flippant remark. It was a precise statement that occurred exactly as he predicted it would. Now, the death of witnesses increased dramatically during the 70s when the House Select Committee on Intelligence Activities and the House Select Committee on Assassinations began scheduling witnesses to appear before their committees gangsters leaked to the assassination, started dropping like flies. And exactly that same period of time uh, were top Chicago crime boss, Sam Giancana, his top hit man, Chuck Nicoletti, they're linked to the CIA's Castro assassination program. Johnny Rosselli uh, also um, had played a large part in being that linkage. Other well, Chicago mobsters included Richard Kane, David Yarras, mobbed up Jimmy Hoffa, LBJ affiliated hitman Mac Wallace. Yes, LBJ had his own hitman. Uh, Lucian Sarti, Carlos Priel Sakaras, Rolando Mesfera, George De Shield. Frankly, the list of the dead led like a who's who of the CIA's mafia connections especially as it related to the agency's anti-Castro program. Then the same massive death of witnesses syndrome apparently struck the CIA itself. Several important figures in the CIA died before they could give evidence to the House Select Committee for assassination. And they were specifically linked to the agency's anti-Castro operations as well. Among these were Sheffield Edwards, Wild Bill Harvey, William Pauley, Dave Morales, Thomas Karamasinis, Wynn Scott, John Paisley. And when you talk about the coincidences that piled up when so many people died with so many different connections, you're called a conspiracy buff. Well, You should keep in mind that before you call somebody a conspiracy buff, you need to do your homework. John Paisley, the spy chief, was shot in the head, diving weights affixed to his body, and he was sunk in the ocean. And what did the powers that be say? Poor man committed suicide. I mean, if. Diving weights attached to you to sink you in the ocean means you're committing suicide after you shoot yourself in the head. That's a f- clearly a determined case of suicide. William Sullivan, main figure in the FBI, involved in the executive action program. That was a an assassination program targeting Castro was shot dead near his home in Sugar Hill, New Hampshire, on November 9, 1977. He had already been scheduled to testify before the House Select Committee on Assassinations. He was one of six top FBI agents who died in that six-month period in seventy-seven. Most of the, the six were even more related to events surrounding the assassination than Information would uh, initially released would make it appear. For example, Donald Kayler was directly tied to the falsely obtained palm print of Lee Harvey Oswald found on the rifle that was supposedly used to kill Kennedy. The FBI went to the funeral home. The undertaker testified they apparently obtained prints there from the dead Lee Harvey Oswald, and it was Kayler who examined the prints found at the assassination scene. And if you take the prints, you can actually move those prints and make it appear somebody handled something they didn't. Alan Belmont, the number three man in former hierarchy of the FBI, was the primary official in charge of the FBI activities following the assassination. It was actually Belmont and not Hoover who ran the FBI cover-up. Authors have summed up the incredible series of coincidences uh, fairly succinctly. It doesn't seem to be much question. But no death was more dramatic than that of the head of domestic intelligence the FBI William Sutherland It almost uh, come to blows with Hoover he was forced to resign but he was knowledgeable and privy to very confidential material regarding the assassinations of the 60's and the freshly brewing Watergate scandal of Nixon and he was scheduled to testify the next week before Congress Now, it's interesting to note that Major Mason Butterfield, law enforcement director of the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department, said Mr. Sullivan, who'd been on the way to meet two hunting companions shortly after daybreak, had been shot and instantly killed by another hunter, Robert Daniels Jr., who'd mistaken Mr. Sullivan for a deer. Maybe it was the antlers growing out of his ears that made him look like a deer. Mr. Daniels was fined $500 and lost his hunting license for 10 years events which, quite fortunately, precluded him from conveniently shooting any other witnesses prior to their scheduled testimony. If you look at pictures of William Sullivan, it's hard to figure out how somebody mistook him for a deer. Mr. Daniels was actually quite a serious young man and a very experienced and cautious hunter. Chances of him actually mistaken William Sullivan for a deer uh, fairly remote researchers who have delved into the details and of the death of mr. Sullivan are fairly certain he was actually murdered not only did the police investigate and the independent researchers investigate the CIA also <laughs> excuse me, also investigated the matter. Lutrell Osborne, twenty six year veteran, CIA case officer and counterintelligence expert. Uh, was familiar with the, the director of domestic intelligence with the FBI, mister Sullivan. Sullivan's goal was to testify before the public, uh, House Select Committee on Assassinations and lay his cards on the table. He had made that clear. He's going to give the committee and the American people the truth about J. Edgar Hoover's hatred of Martin Luther King Jr., as well as his hatred for John Kennedy and President of candidate Robert Kennedy. And he had the evidence to back it up. Well, it's very hard to. Uh, I mean, I spent many years hunting with my father and his friends, and there's no way in the world to mistake a man for a deer, unless you are drunk, not paying any attention to what you're doing, or... You're supposed to. On that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll to do one more segment on the Kennedy hit list tomorrow, and then we're going to go into another topic. Until then, this is Ken Hoddle for the Ken Hoddle Show saying, Have a truly great evening.